The school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. This is Hi Kids, for kids, by kids. My name is Ria Immerman and I'm your host for today. And thank you for tuning in to 101.9 Hi FM. I have a jam-packed show lined up for you today. I'll be speaking to Simon Gear. He is a leading climatologist. So listen kids, don't go away. We have a very interesting show today. You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is High Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Ria Mamman and I'm 9 years old. Good afternoon, Simon. Hi, good afternoon, Ria. I'm very pleased to be here. Me too. <laughs> How are you? I'm very, very well, thanks. It's a delight to be here on High FM with you. Thank you. First question. What is a climatologist? Okay, so a climatologist is someone who studies the weather, um, but particularly long-term weather. So uh, when I was a varsity student and studying climatology, I was studying how the weather might change over a thousand years. Whereas oh, that's a, me- a long time. It is a long yeah. time, yes. Um, but a meteorologist is the guy who actually studies the weather like tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so I work as a climato- I work as a, more as a meteorologist, but I'm a- actually a climatologist. So you study to be a climatologist, but you're working as a meteorologist. A meteorologist, yeah. How do you train to be a climatologist? So I did geography at, um, at university. My dad was a geography teacher all the way through school. So I was always going to be a geographer of some description. <laughs> and, and so I study. So once you get to honors level, which is like fourth year of, um, of wow. university, that's when you can specialize. And I, spe- I specialized in climatology. Yeah, but then you just went to meteorology. Well, yeah, so, I mean, look, I mean, a weather guy's a weather guy, eh? So, uh, there's no real, like, you can't, you know, no one's really interested in me coming onto the radio and forecasting the weather for the next thousand years. No, um, because nobody's gonna be around. Well, exactly. So we just rather do, uh, the weather guy stuff, which is, is meteorology. What has inspired you to become one? Um, I always loved, uh, drama. And public speaking and being on stage and all of those sort of things. I like that too. I'm, I can tell. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. But then I also like science. And so I you did combined my... Combined too. Yeah, well, there you go. So I did I did my degree in science, but I always liked that, that showman type thing. And pretty much the only thing you can do if you're going to be a scientist and a, um, and, and a, a presenter yeah. is some sort of weather weather type role. Um, I've now managed to expand it out, so I do a whole lot of other science stuff yeah. on the radio and yeah, on the TV. Yeah, heard. It must be hectic. It is hectic, but it's a lot of fun. How urgent is the global warming problem? No, it's a big problem, hey? Um, so we, it's, it's caused by people uh, burning things, um, and particularly fuel. So every time and you go factories. to and factories and um, and particularly in South Africa, the way we make our electricity is by burning yeah. coal. So all of that puts uh, carbon dioxide up into the atmosphere and that warms the atmosphere and it changes our weather. Yeah. Uh, so it is something that we should be very, very worried about. I've also been told and I've also seen this, that there are holes in the ozone layer, which is a layer above the earth. Yeah. So is that true? Yes, there is. So uh, the ozone layer is uh, a layer of gas that's, um, that stops us getting sunburnt, basically. It, it stops the very dangerous rays of the sun. But not exactly. Sunburnt, like more the entire planet being burnt. <laughs> Just about, yeah. So, so um, particularly for, the, for uh, um, us in South Africa and Australia and New Zealand, people who live a long way f- far south, 
uh, we're often under areas where there's not very much ozone any longer. Yes. And that could increase the likelihood of sunburn and therefore of skin cancer as well. So it's really, really important that you wear a hat. And, and sun cream. And sun cream when you go out into the sun, yes. yeah. You know, this winter, um, every every day, even though it was freezing cold, my mother used to put suntan lotion on me. No, definitely a good thing because winter, in particular, we have lots of sun yes. here in, in South Africa. Um, so you can get uh, you can just as easily get burnt in winter as you can in summer. Exactly. Who discovered that global warming was a problem? Um, there are a whole lot of people. So um, it was uh, some American researchers who first noticed that carbon dioxide levels were increasing. But even before that, uh, people were already theorizing, thinking about it, and saying that if we put more CO2 into the atmosphere, then it's going to, the atmosphere is going to gradually warm up. So it's not one particular person. It was a whole group of scientists altogether. So you're saying, like... Um it, it was a group of scientists, not just one person. Yeah, most most scientific discoveries are made by by large teams of scientists. So it's not it's not quite uh, sort of inventions with one guy going eureka. <laughs> so did it did it start? Uh, did global warming actually start due to? Due to us burning coal, or did we just speed it up? Well, uh, no. I mean, look. So, so the weather, the, uh, the climate does change on the earth. Yeah. Um, over, you know, it, it changes naturally. But what we've done is artificially increased the warming, um, and it would have started in about the 1880s when we first really started burning a lot of coal. Yeah. How how did the team of scientists discover this? So they they set up a um, an observatory or a, a laboratory on Hawaii, which is an island out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And um, so it's a long way from anything, which yes. is really, really good. So you're not picking up the CO2 from a local factory or anything like that. That's good. And, um, and they, were, they started measuring it in the 1950s and 1960s, and they noticed that CO2 was increasing, which they had already thought it would be because they had just looked at how much coal theories, we were burning. Yeah. But now they proved it. And so then they, they were able to prove it, and then there's been literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of scientists working on trying to identify um, how much the earth is actually warming. So, um, never mind. (laughs) I forgot what I was going to ask you. No worries. What do you think the last living thing would be if the world got too hot? It's a really good question. I suppose it would be something that lived underground. Um, so maybe bacteria that lives many, many thousands but of meters. I mean an animal. Meters. An animal. Um, well, we always or say the, co- the cockroach is always something that we think yes. lives, lives for a very, very long time. Um, how that would cope with an, a warmer um, uh, planet, I'm not really sure. We're not really necessarily talking about a planet that gets so hot that nothing can live on it. I know, but what I'm saying, mm. if it, the Earth gets too hot, yeah. like we can't live in it, we eventually leave, or we die out, yeah. either one, then which w- what would be the last? It'd be it'd be one of the insects. I'm pretty sure, probably cockroaches or something similar. I thought maybe uh, a rat or a meerkat or something. No, because they're also mammals, and and insects are better at adapting to yeah. different uh, different or things than mammals are. Maybe a blooded animal. Because yeah, it would depend. uh, You know how much they were struggling with um, with the the with light coming in. You know from the ozone layer as well. Um, But my my gut feel is probably insects. I think insects are are the most dominant animal on the on the planet. Probably, most likely a cockroach. I think so. What do you think the world would look like in twenty years? Since you're a climatologist and study the long term weather, then. Do you have a theory on how the world would look like or feel like 
what the weather is in 20 years. Well, I think we're definitely going to be a bit warmer. We've already seen our winters are definitely milder in Johannesburg. Yes. So I think within 20 years, we probably um, will have uh, less frost in the mornings. Um, and uh, we'll have more uh, hurricanes and hurricanes. really, really big storms. Yeah. Uh, so there'll be, the, that's one of the things gl- global warming does. It just that doesn't just heat the planet. It makes um, really destructive no, weather scared. more common. Yeah. No, I'm no, well, we should be, yes. Is global warming an issue to all living things, including cockroaches? Yes, very much so. Because what we're doing is we're changing the planet very, very quickly. So ecosystems or um, the environment that animals live in yes. uh, changes really, really quickly, quicker than animals can adapt to it. So some animals might benefit, um, but other animals are going to really, really struggle yes. and die out. How can we stop or reverse global warming? Um, well, the way we need to stop it is... Stop using coal. We ne- yeah, so we need to stop using fossil fuels. So that's coal and oil and those sort of things. Yeah. Um, so more electric cars, um, fewer of our own cars. We need to be using public transport yes. more often. Um, and, um, and using, uh, alternative energy for electricity. So not these big coal-fired power stations that you no. see when you drive out to Kruger, but rather, uh, things like nuclear power and solar power. Yes. Those sort of things. Um, and the other thing is probably to eat less meat. Because, yeah, because the it's ma- killing the animals. Well, no, the cows that we're putting, uh, we, that we yeah. grow are, release a huge amount of methane. Yes. And that's, uh, and that's one of the things that it contributes to global warming. But isn't methane the, what do you call it, the, oh, I can't remember, the ingredient for life? Uh, it's one of them. So, so uh, carbon is the uh, um, ingredient for life, and methane is partly carbon. Um, but, uh, but cows and animals, or all mammals, breathe out carbon dioxide, and they, they fart methane. <laughs> and that's one of the things that is causing uh, causing global warming. You can't have you can't have too much of one good thing. Well, exactly. That proves the point. <laughs> Can the earth heal if we if we stop global warming? I'm not sure. It? Yeah, I think it will adapt. I mean, the earth is a very very resilient system. Um and so uh it takes quite a lot of effort to damage the earth. Um, and simil- so we've put in a lot of effort. We've put a lot of effort into it, exactly. Um, and, so, uh, and so I do think the earth will bounce back, um, but we're going to have to spend a lot of time really, really caring for nature um, bec- you know, because it's obviously under pressure from all of the things that we do to yes. it. Is there one place on earth that is suffering more than the others? Africa seems to be suffering more than others, mm, um, and the Arctic. Uh, the Arctic is freezing, so it must be suffering very badly. Yeah, so the Arctic, uh, what we're seeing is as it warms, we're seeing uh, the glaciers melting. And the polar bears aren't getting enough food. Yeah, the polar bears are now having to come further south to find food, so they're now walking into towns in Alaska looking for food. They never normally used to do that because they used to live on the ice, yes. but now after the ice melting, they're having to go into areas they wouldn't normally do to um, yeah. uh, to find food. With Africa, what we're seeing is worse droughts and bigger storms. Yes, and that would be horrible in the future. No, well, exactly, d- indeed. And, and so that's one of the things that's affecting it on our continent. You know, my dad says, imagine imagine um, you have, there's a thick mist, okay, and mm-hmm. you're walking towards a cliff, but you don't know when the cliff is. What would you do? Yeah. Stop immediately, Well, exactly, right? yeah. Well, that's what we're trying to do, but because we've put so much effort in walking towards the cliff, it's hard to stop. I think that's exactly right. I think your dad has got it spot on.
Why did you get into television? You said you like drama, but what made you go to television? Because television is very, very cool. It's not as nice as radio. I prefer radio Mm. because television you have to get dressed up in smart clothes and you have to have makeup on and all sorts of things, which is not nearly as much fun. But um, but TV, I really enjoyed the TV that I I did. I did uh, about 12 years of of live TV on Morning Live, yeah. And I'm still doing some live TV on a show called 5050, which is an environmental show. Uh, which um, appears on Sunday nights when the SABC has money, um, <laughs> and so uh, and so I really do enjoy it. But my favourite thing is definitely radio. Yes, it's also my favourite thing. Yeah, I know you've chosen well because I've been on stage and I I like both, but I like radio more because I get to do it more often. Mm. And it is. It's just a nice, friendly way of chatting to yeah. your audience, isn't it? Yes. Do you like it when people recognize you? Um, yeah, that's a good question, actually. Um, it is kind of nice. Like, it's kind of good for your ego. Um, and, I mean, you know from being on stage, it's, it's kind of nice to be the center yeah. of attention, isn't it? Um, but there are times when it's quite nice to be anonymous as well. And I very seldom have that. Mm. Um, but not as much as I used to. I mean, when I was, when I was younger and I was on TV all the time, then people would recognize me wherever I went. Yes. And I didn't, you sort of get used to it, but it wasn't my favorite thing. Yes. It's uh, like the paparazzi when they follow me everywhere. Yeah. Luckily I never had paparazzi <laughs> type, type stuff. Yeah. But, um, but I did definitely have, you know, you can't, you can't sort of really do anything and not expect someone to know about it and for news to get back to wherever, you know. So, yeah, so, that, that um, doesn't sound like a very private life. It's not a very private life. You do get used to it, um, but it's, uh, it's a strange way of living. Uh, but, yeah. but I also, I mean, this has been my life now for 20 years. You know, this is what life has so been you're like. you're used to it. So I'm sort now. of used to it. And sometimes it can be quite weird, um, when I meet someone who really doesn't have a clue, you know, who I am or what I've done. Um, like, do you know who I am? Yeah, well, no, well, well, no, no, I would never, I'd never ever say that, but it's, but it's, it's a really, really good question. And it is an interesting experience. You just get so used to being recognized <laughs> that you begin to forget that that's not everyone's experience. Yes. Yeah. You know, when I, sometimes when I'm, at school, and um, actually when I was walking out of High Kids today, there was a woman by the thing. She says, are you real? I listen to you on High Kids. <laughs> I know. It's cool. That, 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 sort of, that sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. And after you've done plays as well, you just find more people know who yes. you are. Mm. Okay. On that note, let's take a quick song break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is High Kids for Kids by Kids. My name is Ria Emman, and I'm your host for today. Now let's ask more questions. What did you want to be growing up? Oh, that's a good question. Probably a game ranger. Um, yeah. You know, I love the bush and, and animals, and I think that was one of the things that I really, really wanted to be. Um, then I got a little bit older. Once I was in my teens, I thought I was going to be a teacher. Why? I don't know, because I tried being a teacher, and it was vastly hard work, and I have yes. no desire to ever do it again. Um, but now that I've got older, I've actually gone almost back into conservation work. So I've worked on vultures and um, various other things, and I now spend a lot of time. In fact, my most recent degree is actually conservation science rather than climatology. Really? Yeah. So wow. um, I've so I'm uh, not quite a game ranger, but I'm doing that sort of work again, yes. which I really, really enjoy. So. You're sort of a zoo, uh, a zoologist. I'm a, yeah, so uh, I'm a, yeah, a, a, a zoologist or a conservation biologist, um, focusing mostly on vultures. Um, Why? I love vultures, they're gorgeous. 
They're well, the most not, amazing. Not to some people, but to me. <laughs> <laughs> they're huge. I mean, they're, they're these wonderful birds with a wingspan of two and a half meters, which is as big as this desk. I never knew that. Yeah, no, they're massive. But I do, did know they were huge. I've only seen one from a distance. Yeah. And they care for their young and they've got personalities. They're really, really amazing animals. How is global warming affecting the weather? You said there's going to be more hurricanes, but what else? Yeah, so there's uh, what we'll see is um, greater changes in the weather. So droughts will be worse and floods will yeah, be worse. That's like probably in Cape the, Town, like in Cape Town. Well, exactly. Um, so, so we'll see more of those sort of events. Um, when we have really, really dry seasons, they're going to be worse than they have been before. Yes, um, that will be horrible. And I think that's probably the greatest change is um, is is those sort of things. Then we might also find that um, areas that we used to be able to grow certain crops, we're not able to grow them there any longer. Uh, yeah. So you might be a grape farmer who's always been able to grow grapes or, you know, in, a, in one particular area, mm-hmm. and you now discover that it's become too dry or too wet yes. or too hot for that area. So basically it's going to affect a lot of things, and it's going to be quite horrible for farmers. Particularly farmers are the people, I think, who are going to have the most impact here. Yes, so if if a farmer's listening to that now, just pray that your grapes or your potatoes or anything that you're growing stays fine. Yeah, you've really got to plan ahead now and start yes. thinking about other types of crops. Yes. Um, and, and it can be very, very difficult to change crops for a farm. You know, particularly things like grapes have to be there for a very, very long time. You know, grape yes. orchards are, or grape vineyards are, are often, um, you know, 30 or 40 years old. Yes. Uh, same with the trees and those sort of things. Whereas trees something. Trees can live to like 400 years old. Well, exactly. Um, so whereas something like wheat or or maize, or you know, cabbages. You can just change each season, but yeah. uh, but certainly the more long-term farming, uh, they really have to make some some serious decisions. Yes. You also work in radio. So, mm-hmm. which is your favorite job? My favorite job is probably well, it's definitely my radio work. Um, yeah, you said you like that. Yeah, always. and I do a lot of different types of radio. So I, every morning, I do a weather report for Talk Radio Seven Hundred Two and for another station called Five Six Seven Cape Talk down in Cape Town. Um, I do that seven days a week. I think I'm the only person in South African radio who works every single day. Wow. Um, and then I also have two other radio things that I do. Uh, one is a radio station called One World Sports Radio. That's my own station. And we Did do. Did you make it? Yep. Wow. And it's a digital station, so it's only online. And if you want to listen to live sport, that's where we put that on. So we do live cricket and live rugby and live oh, football. Okay. Uh, so the next, well, we've actually, we're currently doing this, um, England versus Ireland test match that's coming really? out of London. That's wow. on my radio station right now. If you go in and listen at okay. onewsr.com. But you must finish listening to us first on High FM, clearly. Yes, of course. <laughs> and, Don't go straight there. And then we, we, we'll be doing the Springbok game, of Springbok, the Springboks versus New Zealand at 9.30 yes. on Saturday morning. We'll be doing that. After the Proteus failure, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, and we did every single one of those games uh, with my team uh, for the World Cup. It was. But who wants to watch that anymore? Well, we do because that's what we do for a living yeah. these days. But it, uh, you know, and it has been. It was not easy watching them lose, but um, but yeah. we also are all people who really, really love cricket, yes. and it was quite fun to, to do that. And then the other thing that I do on radio is um, a thing called Research News Africa which is uh, looking at science and uh, particularly South African science. Wow. And I interview people and then I put that out. Not so much on radio, I put it out on a podcast. Okay. Thank you for coming on Hi Kids and teaching us more about what you do. It sounds like uh, interesting jobs to have. They are very, very cool. And thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. This has been Hi Kids, for Kids, 
Bye, kids. My name is Rio Immerman, and I'm nine years old. Thank you to my guest, Simon Gear, for coming on Hi Kids, and thank you to my producer, Mandy, and Craig for pushing the big red buttons. Join us tomorrow for another Hi Kids show. Goodbye, kids.